I made about five grand in five days. Wow. And I'm like, uh-oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> I went from $7 an hour to you know making 1700 a month to making now, I'm making $5,000 a week. Yeah. Mm, Brian might be on to something here, this guy. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. <laughs> so after that situation, he saw that, oh, you can do the job. So then he called me and said, hey, man, I got an opportunity for you, man, if you're interested. I said, yeah, what you got? He said, I got an opportunity at a college, Georgia Southern University, where you can go up and clean the dorm rooms for the college kids over the summer. I'm a subcontractor for this company at this time. Mm-hmm. You know, so they feed me. They feed me good. So yeah. I said, yeah, man, I'll take it home. So I took the job, went down in my first year. You know, I had about 30 employees. You know, I'm, wow. I'm jumping from, yeah, I went from me and my father-in-law and mother-in-law cleaning the offices from four facilities to getting 30 employees all of a sudden. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh-huh. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons. Yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons. Yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. But David E. Simons. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. But David E. Welcome to another episode of How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. I'm honored and delighted to have an amazing guest on today's show. He goes by the name of Tori Lockett. You're going to learn all about his story, all about his journey. We had a chance to meet and I got to hear his story and I said, man, I think everyone else needs to hear your story. Everyone needs to hear about how you can transform and make a 360 in life. And everyone needs to hear how you can make a difference and a dollar at the same time and make an impact in your community. So I just wanted to uh, let y'all know in advance that this is going to be one of those interviews, one of those episodes that you you, you, you want to take feverish notes you 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 may want to get the tissue paper out in some cases you may you 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 may you may you may want to just literally allow this to seep into you because i just know i'm just knowing knowing this brother's gonna pour out and share with you what he has so tori what an honor having you on the show thank you for joining us brother thank you for having me man thank you for having me baby thank you thank you, thank you. no doubt no doubt so so tori uh, with our show how, how i discovered my gift we go into the elements of, you know, what someone's gifting is, what is someone's, you know, essentially purpose. We go into a lot of different areas, but what I'd like to start with is, is, is take us through your journey. I, I, I have the privilege to have heard some of your story and your journey, but I would like for you to take us through from childhood all the way into adulthood and, and who you are and the journey that you took to become who you are today. I know it's a long kind of question, but yeah, I'm gonna try to I'm yeah. gonna try to make it as, as as short as possible, man. Um, yeah. First of all, my name is Tori. I don't like it. People call me Tori. Um, I'm also known as T Like the Money Coach. Um, I grew up in Mobile, Alabama, in a small town called Maysville. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived with my grandmother and grandfather. We lived in a shotgun house with nine of her kids. Actually, we made some of them were in and out, you know. So we had a two-bedroom shotgun house. <laughs> wow. So 
me, my brother, we had two bunk beds in the one room and another queen bed on the side of the bunk bed. And my two brothers slept on the bunk bed. My uncle slept on the top. I had another uncle sleeping on the, on the side of that house. Then you, on the next room, my grandmother and granddad slept in. So those were the two bedrooms. Then you had the kitchen and the dining room and living room. And that was the shotgun house. But in the dining room, I had three aunts sleeping in that dining room. You know what I'm saying? In a bed. <laughs> and the couch was in there. So just to kind of give you uh, an idea of what we what kind of living conditions we were living in. Fans in the windows. You know, this was back in the 70s, uh, of course. And when you walk out of my house, go maybe uh, less than a block, turn around the corner. The area that we lived in, which is called Antwerp Street, was drug infested. Um, you have your prostitutes. You have your hook. I mean, uh, 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 you have your drug dealers. You had your robbers. And this was the environment that I actually was exposed to and grew up in, you know, when I was younger. So uh, that's just to give you a logistic of, of, of what I was experienced. That's the kind of lifestyle that I kind of started out with because it's like I was almost uh, destined to go this route because of uh, the environment that I was in. Not, not no, and another thing to add to that, I had my mom, she was in the streets. Um, my, I had two uncles that was in the street and an aunt. You know what I'm saying? So my mom, one of my, my, my mom probably killed me for saying this, but she went to prison. Uh, 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 I had two uncles. Oh, I had another aunt and an uncle go to prison. Also after that. So everybody used to call me uh, my mother's son. I ain't going to say her name, but <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she'll feel about that right now. So we'll just mm-hmm. leave the name out for right now. Understood. Uh, but um, that's just, that's the environment that I grew up in. And, 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 mm-hmm. and from there, um, I was in, when I first started dealing with drugs, I was probably around the 10th grade in high school. And mm-hmm. I saw a couple of friends that I was hanging out with and they were, you know, doing something that inspired me. Cause I'm like, man, what is this here? You know, you know, I see everybody driving their own cars in high school. I'm like, and I'm living like, uh, what's going on? I'm, I'm missing what I'm missing in my environment, but in my environment, that's what you you know it was known that, that was the, that was the thing. Um, to be, you know, it was a drug dealer was the thing. My grandfather mm-hmm. was an entrepreneur as well, but he ran what you call those um, back in the day those jukebox houses. Like a hit, he had clubs too. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with those. People have yeah. hit houses when you go in and and, and 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 get you a shot. You get some food while you're there when you get out of work. My granddad had maybe. 15 to 20 houses in, in around wow. town. I like that. You know, wow. so he he was an entrepreneur in his own way too as, as well. But yeah. to get back to the story of, of how I got into the drug game was some friends I had and, and, and they were actually dealing drugs and I actually inquired about it. I said, man, what y'all doing? I'm like, oh man, you don't need to get in all this stuff. I'm like, oh no, I need to find out what y'all are doing. So I kept pressing, pressing, pressing. And finally, one of my friends, um, I won't call no names either, but he actually gave me an opportunity to get in the game. He Mm -hmm. actually gave me $50 to get in the game. So I took that $50 and went and bought what they called back then uh, a 50-cent piece of rock. Mm -hmm. This is what they called it back then. Yeah. uh, And then I took that 50-cent piece of rock and flipped it into a $100 because that was the game. Mm -hmm. Every time you buy something, you're looking to double your money. Right. You know? So when I did that, I'm like, hmm. But the funny story, the first time I ever went out 
and actually tried to do this. I was in front of some projects that was like on the other side of town from my house. Um, and this is my first deal. Mm-hmm. I got a matchbox with some little pebbles in it, you know, and, 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 you know, people were running the cars back then. We were running the cars trying to get a sale. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I run to the car, see four, four guys in the car riding. I run to the car. Hey, what you need? What you, what you need? And all of a sudden he said, what you got, man? So I show him what I have. One guy pulled out a gun and said, give me all you got. And just knocked everything out what I had. That was my first experience. Oh my goodness. Selling drugs. So I was luckily I didn't get you know get shot at or anything like that. So I mean at the time of course I was upset, but when I got back, my partners made it out of joke. See, that's what you get for trying to ruin and beat everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Because they stand up on the car on the block, but I'm trying right. to beat them to the punch. And mm. that was my first experience, man, with dealing wow. drugs. From there, I actually um, just I kept dealing. Then I went from a small level to to dealing a bigger level. Uh, then I met a, a homeboy of mine from, I'm just cutting some stuff out, but long story. Yeah. I, I met a friend of mine from, he's from Alabama, but he moved to New York from mm-hmm. Queens. And he came back to visit and, 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 and it changed the game uh, because he was on a higher level. You know what I'm saying? So when I started dealing on a, with him, and I had met a cat here that I live at now in Atlanta, Georgia. So I had a source here in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, let me, I'm going too fast. Let me back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of high school, first of all, I didn't finish high school. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dropped out of high school my senior year. Most of my friends graduated. I only needed to do another half a semester before I finished, but I was so caught up in the game, so I didn't even have, you know, I didn't even take the time to, to finish high school. So what I yeah. did was I had a friend of mine and his mom will get GEDs for you for the right price. So I said, you know what? Since I didn't graduate, you know, I'm going to go buy me a GED. So I can at least have my GED if I need to get in school or somewhere down the line. Because guys yeah. was doing it. I know guys that went to college that bought GEDs from, from her. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know what I'm saying? So I purchased the GED as well from her. Yeah. And <laughs> I ended up uh, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama after that. Still dealing in drugs now. But mm-hmm. I ended up in a technical school called uh it's called shelton state now back then it was Fred state and i was taking up computer tech and my teacher at the time was mr king and, and mr king was like uh you know he saw me in the street he saw i was in and he didn't know exactly what i was doing but he knew i was into something and he saw that i had some potential and he was trying to pull me in you know he invited me over to his house and, you know i met his daughter and he tried everything to kind of keep me on the right track mm. but you know of course those streets were calling me i mean it's it, could nobody at that time compete with what was going on in my mindset, you know, in terms yeah. of being a drug dealer, you know. Right. So, um, I went from that point to uh, moving to Atlanta. Mm. No, yeah, moving to Atlanta. I moved because I moved to no, let me back up because I, I skipped a spot. I moved mm-hmm. to Atlanta when I was 17 mm-hmm. with a, uh, a friend of mine right after I got the GED, yeah. And I think I stayed with them for about a year. And it didn't work out. Then I went back to Alabama. Then I ended up going to the college I was telling you about. So mm-hmm. that's, and I had to say that kind of to show you where I'm going. Um, right. So after Tuscaloosa, Alabama, when I, I kind of dropped out of technical school, then I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, no, 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 back up. I lied. I moved back to Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is when I ran into my homeboy from New York, from Queens. Mm-hmm. 
okay? And when me and him got together, everything changed. I mean, it's just like, okay, I went from making maybe a thousand dollars a week to probably making five or ten thousand a day. Wow. Wow, that's a quantum right. leap. Right, that's a quantum <laughs> leap, absolutely. So, I mean, so you can see how I was just caught up, you know what I'm saying? I was, you know, I had all the women, you know, and I was pretty popular in high school, you know, so I was a football player too as well. I was, And that's okay. another thing, uh, just tracking back, you know, I was, another thing discouraged me is, is I was a football player. And of course, in my neighborhood, if you didn't, if you wasn't a drug dealer, you're trying to go play sports and, and make it to the league, um, so I broke my anchor in, mm. in a situation fooling around. It wasn't even related to sports. And it affected my whole career. In wow. Because I was a defensive back and I never could actually get that speed back up to where I needed to be mm. to, to be competitive with my, my peers mm. that was competing for the same position. So yeah. that was another thing that, you know, that disappointed me and, and kind of got me off track. Like, okay, well, that killed my dreams there. So, hey, this got to be it. Yeah. You know? So yeah. When I got with my, my friend, so I, I mean, we still dealing. We moved, me and him moved to Atlanta, Georgia, because I bring him from New York to Alabama. We get an apartment down in Alabama and set up shop mm. and, and and just roll, you know, just, just do it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it got so hot at that point, we were like, well, we can't stay here too long because, you know, the name started ringing and we ended up going to Atlanta back to Atlanta because I had already been in Atlanta for a while right. back to Atlanta and this was like around 92 mm-hmm. yeah 92 and he had an apartment I had an apartment and we just back and forth we back and forth from Alabama to Mobile dealing I'm, I'm growing 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 and all of a sudden long story short back in 1995 January the 2nd mm. Well, let me back up a couple of days before that. About a week before that, a friend of mine who I was dealing with in Alabama, who was uh, a, a, a lieutenant of mine at the time that I was actually giving drugs on consignment, mm-hmm. um, got busted. Mm. Okay. And and normally I don't deal with guys outside of my neighborhood, but this mm. guy was a person outside of my neighborhood. Because if someone got busted in my neighborhood, I would know what's going on. Mm. This guy, I didn't know what was going on because he was outside of my neighborhood. Mm. And when he got busted, he ended up uh, actually uh, being an informant with the police mm. and setting me up. Wow. So, and how it was set up was, I mean, he wanted, of course, um, it was like two kilograms of cocaine at the time. I guess mm-hmm. I'm playing the statute of limitations all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but, yep. <laughs> but he was trying to get two <laughs> kilograms of cocaine from me. And I'm like, and I told him, look, once I moved to Atlanta, then you know, after a while, I'm you know we're gonna chill out. I'm just gonna because I was trying to get out the game once I moved to Atlanta for a while mm. and get you know onto another level. Right. So they say once you're trying to get out of something, that's when all hell kind of breaks loose. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I was yeah. trying to get out of a situation, and he called and say it was just right after Christmas. He said, "Man, look, I spent so much money for Christmas, man. Can you help me out, man?" Da 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 da. And keep in mind that he had been busted. So he said, well, I need you to bring me something. I got people out here, you know, bring me two keys, man. And I'm talking to my guy from New York because we, we chilling. We hadn't done it in a while. He was like, um, I said, you know what? What you want to do with this cat, man? He was like, well, you know what? 
man, we spent so much money for Christmas, man, because I know we probably spent like 50, 60 grand just on Christmas, you know, mm. so, you know, over Christmas time. So we, yeah. you know, we, can, we can at least try to recoup some of that money back. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, we ended up doing another deal. Uh, I ended up um, flying actually down to Mobile, Alabama. And I had a friend of mine travel with the with the with the package and on the I flight got, on the flight no 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 driving oh, okay I, okay I okay flew. yeah flew. you flew oh your friend okay friend joe okay yeah. and my friend of mine was actually driving he drove mm-hmm. the package down okay gotcha and this was like right after it was like right before new year's you know what i'm saying like about a few days after christmas not long after christmas mm-hmm. and matter of fact it was new year's like about two days before new year's and I have, I called, mind you, I called my partner down in Mobile, Alabama at the time, who was in law school. And uh, he was also, you know, affiliated of mine that I was helping through law school. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You know, we were kind of, yeah. just, you know, gave him some assistance. Let me just say that. Right. And, and I said, look, can you get me a hotel room because I'm getting ready to fly down? You know, let's do a party at... Uh, we had this. We had this hotel. The, the best hotel in power was at, back then was called Riverview Plaza in Mobile, mm-hmm. Alabama, downtown. You know, everybody knew the Riverview. And I told him to get me a hotel room. Matter of fact, a presidential suite at there in Lester Party. You know, for New Year. So uh, I get down there. And we had a party. Everything went well. Uh, the next day. I'm getting ready to fly back to Atlanta, so I meet with I'm, I'm supposed to meet with my guy before I leave. The, the mm-hmm. one who's in Mobile, who I'm supposed to be taking the package to. Right. You follow me, right? You with me? I'm following you. Following. Okay. So he actually was, 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 was called me that day, but when he called me that day, me not knowing at the time, but I found out later he was at the police station when he called. You know what I'm saying? And he was wearing a wire. You know what I'm saying? So oh. he was like, "Well, can you?" Uh, I said, well, he said, where do you want to meet at? So we named two or, three, two or three different places that we can meet at. But I ended up meeting at my aunt's house uh, mm. in Alabama. So wow. long story short, he came over to my aunt's house. Not just, you know, he was, I didn't know this at the time, but he was wearing a white. And when wow. he came in, uh, you know, I pulled out the package. He tested everything because what he, he, you know, he snort cocaine, so he liked to test it out. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to see what it was. I said, man, this is good stuff here. So he hit it. He said, man, this is some good stuff. But every time he said there's a good stuff, he's letting the police know that the package is here. That was mm. the cold word. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. maybe 15, 20 minutes later, you know, we're getting ready to do our thing, what we normally do. And I hear some banging at the door, at all doors. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. I peep out the, you know, the doors have the peepholes, right? In, in the doors, you know, the front door, yeah. the side. So I'm looking at the peephole, all I see is DEA. And I'm like, what the? So the first thing I do was just grab the package and I'm telling him to help me. So I had cocaine from the kitchen all the way to my aunt's bathroom, which is, you know, around the corner, trying to flush it down the toilet. It wouldn't flush. I tell him to try to put something down the sink. He wasn't doing nothing because he on their side. Uh I didn't notice at the time, you know? (laughs) Oh my God. So that was it so the DA came in, you know, they, they put me in handcuffs, put him in handcuffs, laid both of us on the floor. All of a sudden they took him out. Later on I found out they let him out the police car when he got outside. 
Now, they take me in the back room and say, hey, son, look, this is what the DEA told me. This. He said, if you don't talk to me, he said, uh, you might as well take this pistol here and kill yourself. You have a nine millimeter in front of you. Mm. He said, because if you don't, you'll never see your family again. You know what I'm saying? You might as well just kill yourself with this pistol. I'm like, well, you might as well just get the shoes or whatever you're going to do. You know, so, because uh, he was trying to get, he said, like, what, what your aunt, your aunt No, nobody had nothing to do with nothing. It was just me. You know, so long story short, they ended up taking me to jail that day. And I actually spent a year in the county jail. I actually, uh, I went through two trials. I had a mistrial, the first trial. I had a hung jury. Um, and the second time, they struck all of my black, my black jurors and gave me an all-white jury. What? I had lawyers from New York, Alabama, and they were like, in this little town here, I mean, you know, I really didn't stand a chance, you know, at, at, yeah. at trying to fight the government, you know. So I was actually, once, once they found me guilty, I was looking at 360 months to life. What? And for those of you who can't count 360 months, that's 30 years to life. Oh my God. You know, and the the prosecutor actually pushed on my sentencing date for me to get life. Wow. So for drugs now. Young yeah. boy, I'm 22 years old. I'm that, 22 years old. That is, you that know. is extreme. And, 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 and now let, me, let, me, let me put this on your mind. In the federal prison now, when you get life, they put the seats on your paper. You never get out. So just the potential of me thinking that I could possibly get life, just imagine the, the effect that that had on me mentally oh, at 22 years old. That's you know devastating. So the judge says, you know, Mr. Lockett, am I sentencing? Because, you know, I had a lot of people come in and speak on my behalf, my behalf, school teachers, my family, this or that, as character witnesses. And he said, because of that, I'm going to give you the low end of the guideline, which was 360 months. Like he was really doing me a favor. Whoa. So I got sentenced. They shipped me off to federal prison. I stayed in the county jail for about a year. They shipped me off to prison to El Reno, Oklahoma. It's a federal penitentiary. And, and I tell you, they sent me 17 hours away from home. Okay? And when I got there, I mean, I'm locked up with some, I mean, you got guys that, you know, I'm just a young cat, young drunk. You got guys, I'm, I'm with Crips and Bloods from California. Mm. Uh, I had, they had this, uh, this other group called the, uh, uh, the Aryan Brotherhoods. Then they had this other gang called uh, the Texas Senecas, which is, you know, a lot of Mexicans and stuff that was from Mexico, but they grew up in the U.S. And then you had yeah. the Mexican Mafia. You know what I'm saying? Then you had the D.C. boys. They had their gang. So it was gang infested. I'm probably, that, I think it was two of us from Alabama there. So my seller was from California, so I kind of hung out with it. And these guys were in the gang. They was, I think he was a blood, a crip, one of them. I can't remember which one he was. But that's the type of environment they put me in. The first day I got there, they actually, I saw a guy get his head split wide open with a, with a, with a, uh, a weight bar. I'm talking about to the fact. First day? The first day. Oh my the first God. Day. And, and, and after a few weeks of being there, you know, I'm so upset because, you know, I've got all this time. I'm young. I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. Um, so I'm going through the lunchroom one day and it was cold. You know, they give us coats and all that kind of stuff. And when I'm coming out the lunchroom, 
you know, they had a lot of racist officers out there. The officer, you know, they like to search you going out, make sure you ain't taking it out to the units or anything like that. And one of the officers stopped me and searched me. And he told me to take everything out of my pocket, coat, you know, I did. And he took my hat out of my pocket. And was like, what's this? What's this? Or oh, is this a hat? He took my hat, threw it on the floor. And I'm like, you know, so I'm like, yeah, I mean, why would you do that? So I picked my hat up and I'm like, uh, why, you, why would you throw my hat on the floor? And he's like, because I like to see you bow down to me. Oh man, I turned around and spit on them. They got, I started a riot. All the guys in the cafeteria, they got me for insinuating a riot. It was, you know, came to, you know, help. But, you know, it was, long story short, they ended up putting me in the hole. Ooh. In that situation. You know, and when I got put in the hole, you wouldn't believe who I was next to. Um, I don't know, I'm sure everybody familiar with this guy. Uh, Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bomber. No way! Yes. You're kidding me. I, I was in the hole with this oh guy. I didn't really, I'm like, God. this was doing that time. This was 95, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, I'm in the hole with, you know, I stayed in the hole for about a week, probably about three or four days, but they had a, a black associate warden. And just to back up a little bit, I was also tutoring when I was, because I, what I, my job was in, I was helping inmates get GED because I was working in the education department. Yeah. And, the teacher said, well, you know, Tori don't, you know, don't start them. He, you know, he's quiet, this and that and that. So the social warden, they all pulled together and they fought for me and they came and got me out the hole and, wow. and actually threw out the shot. You know, because they, they call shots when you get written up. In, in mm. the you know, wow. You know, it's in your way to ride. I think they, they wrote two or three different things. I can't remember everything it was, but. Yeah. After that, um, I stayed there for a little while, long, a couple of years. They shipped me to Alabama. Uh, Talladega so I can be close to home. So I ended wow. up in Talladega, Alabama Federal Prison. Wow. From there. So when I got there, you know, but no, back up, let me back up again before I get to Talladega. First yeah. of all, I was telling you I was an educator. I was helping people get GED. But the yeah. whole time, I was in the law library at 23, I was 23 at this time. Wow. Trying to figure out a way, you know, to get this time off of me. So I stayed in the law library every day. Every mm. day. Trying to figure a way out, man. And I lost my pills and all that stuff in the 11th Circuit in Atlanta, Georgia. So after I resolved all my remedies, I was like, oh, you know, what can I do? Try to figure it out, you know? So I had to think differently, you know, because I was I was mentally messed up and physically locked up, you know? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to, you know, I wasn't used to, you know, being in a situation like that. Because you got to remember, right. I didn't like I was, you know, kill nobody. I was a real crime. Right. You know, I may have been, I don't even think I even, I went to jail one other time. And I think that was for a traffic ticket. Mm. Other than that situation, you mm. know, it, they made it out like if I was a a John Gotti or somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was excessive. It was excessive. Yes, what yes, they yes, 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 yes. But they had this crack law that was that, that was uh, uh, was not fair. It was called right. Uh, they had a one to one ratio. I think Ronald Reagan put that into place. Uh, right. If you had 100 grams of powder cocaine, which most whites use powder cocaine, you know what I'm saying? And they knew blacks used the crack. So if you got caught with one gram of crack and somebody got caught with 100 grams of powder, they got the same time I got. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That was a, you follow me? Yeah. It was so, ra- really racist laws. Really, 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 really racist laws, man. So that's what really put me in that. Because in the federal system, you have certain guidelines that they have to go by. And that's what put me in that high guideline. 
from what I got actually caught with in the amount that the guys were saying that I was dealt with in the past. You know, mm-hmm. it was, I was, what they charged me with was conspiracy to intent to distribute. Yeah. In possession with an intent to distribute. Mm. You know, when, when just conspiracy alone carry a high sentence back. You know, I don't know if the laws changed now, but back then it did. Yeah. So, um, wow. I left Alabama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in that process, I did try to educate myself a little. After I took up a personal training course in there, and I actually got a degree with ISS, ISSA. And when I passed that degree, you know, I just started training guys in there, just trying to get my mind right and do something different. So I said, well, you know, whenever I do have a chance to get out, I'm going to, I need something to do. I need something to be able to make a living with. Mm-hmm. You, know what I'm I'm, you know, I'm young, don't have no education, got a GED that I bought. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how I would make this work. Right. So, so I leave Alabama. So I went from a penitentiary, first of all, to a medium, which was in Talladega, Alabama, which is so you went from high security to medium security. Then I finally got shipped to a camp. Mm. This was like in 2000, maybe 2000, 2001, 2002, something like that, maybe. Maybe like seven, eight years later. Yeah. I had been in the system. And I get to the camp. And man, you talk about a relief. What a relief. I get to a situation where, you know, it's not as bad as some of the other spots. Yeah. But I I ran into another problem. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia now. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia camp. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much this to talk about, but I'm going to say Mm -hmm. we were, man, we we had everything. I mean, it was just like you wouldn't even, we had cell phones. We had everything that you can think of inside this place. You know wow. what I'm saying? You had guys that would leave and come back. What? You know? Oh. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 You would have guys that would leave. And so it is back. like like some of the movies say, some of them like there's like it's like a whole a whole world where it's like it's like I'm not even out. You know, I'm not even I mean, yes, it's a different still locked in, but you got access. I mean people have access to, to drugs if they want it, access to Whatever they need. Whatever it is. I mean, you talk about guys going up because what happened was we would, you know, you, you would dress up and, you know, then we had these jumpsuits and everybody yeah. would put their free world clothes on and put jumpsuits over the free world clothes. What we call, we say free world because when you're incarcerated, you know, other yeah. people say, you know, free world. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> but uh, once they put that jumpsuit on, then they had a crew. Everybody had their cell phones. Well, how many people going out tonight? Mm. You know what I'm saying? So they would have X amount of people going out, and you have whoever it is, family members, friends, cousins, they would be outside in their cars waiting on you so you can jump in, and they would take off. And everybody would go do their own thing, whether that's going to a strip joint, whether that's going to a hotel, whether that's going to the movies, wherever you wanted to go. And then we had a, and we had a certain amount of time you had to be back. That's crazy. So we can go back in together. Wow! It was all coordinated. Everything was, was organized. It was all organized. Wow! I mean, this is wow. the craziest thing I ever seen in my life. But long story <laughs> short, um, somebody ended up telling the office on me one night, and and, and I actually had a uh, I was outside the dorm when I was supposed to be outside the dorm. I actually had a, and what we used to do was we would put dummies in the bed. 
So to make it seem like we're in the bed. When mm -hmm. the officers come around the counter, they thinking we're in the bed. But nobody's in the bed. You know, so, you know, in, somebody ended up telling them that situation. So they ended up locking me up. Now I go to next door. I went from the camp to, from Atlanta camp until one of the worst penitentiaries, I think, in my in my time. Wow. In the world is Atlanta Penitentiary. It's, it's a 40 foot wall here in Atlanta that's actually still there now. I don't know what security is now, but Whoa. they put me in a hole. I was in a hole for a year there. A and year? The time, a year. The time that I spent in that hole for a year, I would rather have done 10 years somewhere else in another institution. Oh my God. That's how bad it was. I mean, we had, you had four or five guys at a time in one cell. We only got two bunks. So two or three people slept on the floor. You get you get a shower once a week. You may get a visit maybe once or every two weeks or something like that. You know what I'm saying? The food came through a slot hole. You know, I probably lost about 20, 30 pounds while I was there. Oh Couldn't shower, sleeping on the floor. Oh I mean, when I tell you one of the worst experiences, you talk about a mental breakdown, the gene wow. strong. And I mean, I've seen guys hang themselves and all kind of stuff, you know. Wow. You know, in that situation. You know, all the time. Oh so that was, you know, I went, after I got out the hole for in a year, they sent me to Coleman, Florida. And when I went to Coleman, Florida, this was things really, really, really began to change for me, you know, because yeah. I was like, you know what, you know, I got to do something different, you know. So, I mean, one day I was on the cell, I mean, on, on the, what they call the, the prison phones, you know, you know, I'm talking to my family member and... Yeah. I think I'm talking to my grandmother at the time, and I think I'm asking her to send me some money or something. And I'm like, and she's like, well, you know, I, I can, well, I'll send it to you when I can. And I'm, you know, I'm upset because I can't get no money in here, you know, because I'm used to having money. Right. And I know, you know, my grandmother's going to do what she can. Yeah. But when I hung up that phone, you know, I walked outside, you know, I'm pissed, you know, I can't get this money right away. I got to figure this thing out. Something just came over me, you know, because hmm. I was playing the blame game. I was, I was, I was, I was always blaming everybody else for putting me in that situation. I was blaming mm -hmm. God. I was blaming my mom. I was blaming my grandma. I was blaming my father. Whoever mm -hmm. it was, I could blame. I was blaming, blaming them for that situation that I was in. Mm -hmm. But this particular day, I know what came over me at this time now. But at that mm -hmm. point, I didn't know something came mm -hmm. over me and just said, "Look, son, you know who put you in this situation? You put yourself in this situation. You made that choice. Nobody." put a gun to your head to make you put yourself in this situation. Mm. You, know, you know what? I did this. You know, I got to stop blaming my grandma. I got to stop blaming my dad. I got to stop blaming God. Yeah. And at that point, man, I don't know what came over me. Everything just shook. Whoa. I mean, like a 360. You know 360. And, and I went and I turned from that point on. I said, you know what? You know, because I had, you know, let, let me do, let me, let me stay for because I may be going home within the next you know, possible, because I think the crack law had changed somewhere during that period. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and it took my sentence from 360 to 180. Mm. So that, that cut that cut it in half. Yeah. So at that time, I had been I had been in prison now at that time, maybe about at least 10 years. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I say, now nah, I at least got another three and a half to four years to do. I can be home. So wow. I better get myself together all the way. So at this yeah. point, you know, I... I, I, I I start personal training here at this place, man. And I met this guy, man. I don't want to call his name right now, but mm -hmm. this guy was a mentor to me. Mm. 
he helped me shift my life too. And if I wish I could catch up with him now, I definitely will, will praise him for what he did. Because uh, mm. he told me something one day. You know, we was just talking and he was like, um, hey man, if you want to go out here and do something different with your life, man, the first thing you need to work on is your approach. You know, the way you, you know, you got that street mentality. You know, I'm mad. I'm, and when he said that to me, I'm ready to fight. I ain't let him know that, you know? Right. You ain't ready. And you, you know, because this guy was a sports and entertainment agent. You know, he mm. had clients like Queen Latifah, Mace, Vince Carter, mm. Charles Woodson. And mm. he had been on a high level. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. He was from South Carolina. So, this guy knew, you know, he knew, he, 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 he knew the game. Mm. Right, he was trying to teach me the game on how to go out here, get myself together, and, yeah. and, 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 and you know, start a new life. So we became good friends, and 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 and, and oh man, he taught me a lot. Man. My mom sent me a Bible too during this process, man. Mm. And that Bible I used to read every day, man. That's why I say God is my source, man. That wow. was really the transformation, you know. That was, you know, I really didn't realize it at that point, but. God had came into my life or came into my heart at that point, man, and, and touched wow. me, man, and, and, and shift my life around, man, and put wow. me, you know, in the right circle with the right people at that time that was at Coleman, Florida, to prepare me for what I was coming out to be. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, so it was just, so I ended up, I think it was like, uh, I ended up, no, some, so I was, I was like, I had about, about a year to go home. You know, I was starting to prepare myself at home. And, but let me back up too with the Bible thing. Yeah. Once I was reading my Bible, you know, that really, 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 really allowed me to really get myself spiritually prepared. Because I tell everybody, we all need something that's higher than us to, to make that shift in our life. That's right. You know what I'm saying? You know, for me, it was God. You know, that, that was mm -hmm. that source for me. So every time I get into a situation or a challenge, now I go to that source. Mm. Even though I got resources over here, I go to that source because I know that source ain't gonna criticize me. I know that source ain't gonna, you know, he's just gonna be there right. according to his word. Yes. You follow what I'm saying? That makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. 100%. So, um, I shift from there. So my, I talked with my partners. I had two partners that came to pick me up from prison the day, was, the day that I was released. And I couldn't believe, man, I was getting ready to go home. I, I mean, it was one of the, it's almost like I was scared to walk out. It was so wow. crazy. You know what I'm saying? But I had a friend, the, the same lawyer friend that I was telling you about. He had mm -hmm. finished law school, became a lawyer. You know what I'm saying? And he came and picked me up along with one another partner of his. You know? wow. And they actually drove me from Coburn, Florida to Atlanta, Georgia. Then I had another friend that lives in Atlanta, Georgia. He sent me an outfit to prison to wear out when I came in. So when I came home, I had one outfit, and my partners who left me at the, they dropped me off at the halfway house in Fulton County, Georgia, and I had two hundred dollars in an outfit, mm. and I had to figure it out from there. You know, what wow. I'm saying? I had to figure it out from there. I'm in this halfway house, been gone almost fourteen years. Don't have a clue. Well, thirteen and a half at that time. Don't have a clue on what's going on out here. I'm in the middle of a recession. Didn't know it was a recession at the time, you know, because it's 2007 mm, mm. at this point, you know, and I finally get a lady to give me an opportunity. I can't remember her name, but um, it was a black lady. They had a security company and 
They was doing security at a Fortune 500 company here in Atlanta, Georgia, called McKesson's. I came out of prison and she gave me a job as a flashlight cop. That was my first job. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, yeah, I'm coming out of prison to be a flashlight cop. <laughs> so, so I'm making seven dollars an hour. Mm. You know, I'm like, but you know, I just came from making thirty dollars a month. So yeah. you know, seven dollars an hour. You know, right. I, can make, I can figure it out. You know, but you know, I had my visions, I had my dreams, I knew where I wanted to go. You know, I had mm. a plan when I came out. So, and then the, the halfway house get twenty percent of your money when you stay. Oh in the wow. Halfway. Wow. Right, so I'm getting seven dollars an hour and giving them twenty percent. <laughs> Yeesh. Hey, right, right. So uh I'm working for the security company. You know, I'm just trying to get my mind right. I'm trying to figure this thing out, man. You know, I got people calling. I got guys trying to give me the package again. You know. I'm like, oh. you know, I ain't gonna lie, you know, I, I grabbed a couple pounds of weed one time and, and tried to deal with that, but I'm like, you know what? No, this ain't fucking. Let me, let, me, mm. let me get that out. You know, yeah. you can get off track really easy if you're not focused. You know what I'm saying? You Absolutely. can have all these plans in the world, but if you're not, you know, focused, you know, you can you, 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 know, you throw it off. But right. I ended up uh, leaving McKesson's, finding another job, a nine to five at a company called Promethean. We was making these smart boards uh, in Alpharetta, Georgia, mm-hmm. and I'm living with my sister at the time when I get out the halfway house. I'm living in Alpharetta, Georgia with my sister. She got a two-bedroom apartment. I'm helping her pay half of the rent. I'm trying. I got people helping me do this because I wasn't making enough money to pay the rent. So I got mm. partners and friends and family helping me pay the rent, half of the rent for her. And then I meet my wife. But I meet mm. my wife. Now, I meet her while I'm in the halfway house. Mm. We talked on the phone before. It's for six months before she even saw me because I didn't really want to tell her the situation that I was in. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know what I'm saying? So when I did share that with her, she was like, wow, I can't believe you in this situation. You, you know, but, you know, long, it, it ended up working out. Um, we still together today. We, what married, what? we got married in 2009. Yeah. 2000, well, 2009. Yeah, something like in 2009. So we've been married at least, I think, 12, 11, 12, 10 years. Something like 11 wow. years, somewhere up in there. Um, but that was, you know, that was the turning point for me because she had a nine to five and it was paying her pretty good. You know, I'm struggling. She took care of everything, you know, as much as she could, you know, she, I guess she saw the potential in me Mm. and, 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 and I think that made our relationship a whole lot better today Mm. because of the potential she saw saw in me at that time. I mean, here I am in a situation like I am with nothing hardly struggling, trying to figure this thing out. And, but I had a vision the whole time, man. Wow. I knew. I did. So the, so the first thing I did was, because I didn't, I knew a nine to five wasn't going to hold me down. Mm. So I, I worked two or three other jobs. And because I worked for a trucking company called uh, a Roadway. And I was working on a dock. They helped me get my CDL. They got my CDL license. Mm-hmm. Long story short, I caught a DUI. Ended up losing my license with that. So that didn't work out for me. You know what I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> But the mm. first job I ever, well, the first business I ever started was personal training. I mm. came out and started the personal training business. And that was the first, that was, that was my first entrepreneur professional experience. Mm. Uh, and that lasted for about a year or so. But I didn't have all the business savviness that I needed to, to propel it, to make it go to the next level. At yeah. this time. You know, I'm just trying to figure it out. 
You know, right. I don't have no mentor out here this time. You know, I'm trying to, you know, I've been gone all that. I'm trying to, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, my hustler, I'm a hustler. So right. I knew how to hustle. I made it happen, you know? Yep. So after that, you know, I was having a friend of mine that was cleaning. Uh, she do cleaning and she was making pretty good money. She was making like $400,000 a year. I'm like, what you doing? You cleaning, you making 400 grand a year? I said, I need to do what you be doing. What you doing? <laughs> so she showed me the game. You know, she taught me how to strip and wax and do this and that. And uh, one day she was like, you know, I, I was telling her, I want to start my own thing. I want so she said, you know what, let's, let's, let's get you some used equipment and we're going to get you started. I think, you know, I saved up maybe two, three hundred dollars and she gave me a few hundred dollars. So I ended up getting some used equipment after I you know, stopped the personal training piece of it. And I think I spent like six or seven hundred dollars. We went to an auction. I bought some machines, used equipment to get in the cleaning business. At the same time, helping her. Yeah. My, remind you, my wife was in the medical field, mm -hmm. and she was running four different locations, medical offices at one time. Mm. And they had a crew in there that wasn't cleaning well. Mm. So guess who stepped in that position? <laughs> you. <laughs> Me. Wow. So I got my first contract with cleaning, man. And I was making about seventeen hundred bucks a month, you know, still a little chump change, you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. and, and and I had a cousin of mine that's here, you know, that was one of my mentors too, because that was my mentor in terms of, you know, how his relationship with his wife, his kids, because that was my three sixty with that. That was the person who I looked up to, mm -hmm. you know, because we were, you know, we were pretty close when I got out. Yeah, and, uh, we still are today, but um, he actually was managing a million square foot in a facility. In, in, in making joint. And the company that had that contract, he turned me on to the head guy for that company. He was like the district manager. And he gave me a subcontracting opportunity. Mm. I didn't have a clue. He said, he called me one day out of the blue and said, hey, Tori, Steven gave me your number. He told me you could do this and do that. I didn't have a clue. He said, you could do a script. They actually gave my first big job for cleaning was a strip and wax job at a nursing home in South Carolina. I live in Georgia. Mm. 40,000 square feet. Mm. Yeah, I got you. I'll take care of your brand. It's good, you know? So <laughs> what I ended up doing was getting some guys that knew what they were doing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I, I got right. some guys that knew it because I didn't know what I was doing. I, mean, I knew, but not on that scale. Because my, yeah. you know, my homegirl was teaching me, you know, at the same time, but I didn't know it at that scale. But once I, mean, I got these guys, I hired about four or five guys. We got some hotel rooms in California, you know, in South Carolina, with a yeah. strip and wax this, this facility. I made about five grand in five days. Wow. And I'm like, uh oh, because <laughs> I went from seven thousand an hour to you know making seventeen hundred a month to making now I'm making five thousand dollars a week. Yeah, hmm, Brian might be on to something here. This guy, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. <laughs> so after that situation, he sort of oh, you can do the job. So then he called me and said, hey, man, I got an opportunity for you, man, if you're interested. I said, yeah, what you got? He said, I got an opportunity at a college, Georgia Southern University, where you can go up and clean the dorm rooms for the college kids over the summer. I'm a subcontractor for this company at this time. Mm -hmm. you know, so they feed me. They feed me good. So yeah. I said, yeah, man, I'll take it home. So I took the job, went down in my first year. You know, I had about 30 employees. You know, I'm, wow. I'm jumping from... Yeah, I went from me and my father-in-law and mother-in-law cleaning the offices from four facilities to getting third employees all of a sudden. Wow. Up the wow. 
This is mind-blowing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So my first year, in three months, after paying all of my employees, hotel fees, and all that stuff, I think I walked away with about 71 grand. Mm. My first year. Mm-hmm. The next year, it doubled. Mm. Mm. The year after that, it doubled. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So about three years in, you know, I, I'm, I'm making... 200 grand, 250 grand in a three month period. Mm. And sometimes, you know, I decided at that point what I wanted to do with my life the rest of that year. Because, mm. you know, I, I had this contract. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But what I would do was, you know, even though I made all this money, I would, you know, flip cars. I got into the flipping business. I blew a lot of money. Of course, you know, I blew a lot of money. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was paying $100,000. You know, I, well, I actually paid $80,000. For a truck for my wife, which was the dumbest move I ever did in my life. Then mm. I turned around and paid thirty-five thousand dollars for a Lexus LS four sixty. So I'm just because I don't know nothing. I don't know what to do with the money. I got all mm. this money all of a sudden now. You know, mm. I got two, three hundred grand sitting in the bank. Mm. And you know, I'm talking about legally. Yes, yeah, <laughs> right. That's a lot of money for me. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. You know, think about that. You know, I, yeah. I didn't know how to handle that kind of money at the time. So, you know, I tried. I just had to figure it out. You know, yeah. vision. I just had to figure that thing out, man. But one thing I did have, even though I was blowing a lot of money, making a lot of money, the one thing my grandmother did teach me was to live below your means, mm. no matter what you make. Mm. That mm. kept me out of a whole lot of trouble. Even mm. though I was making all this money and didn't really know what I had coming in was going out. I know I had more coming in than I had going out. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. With the lifestyle that I was living. Because right. even though I made, if I make a dollar in my situation, I probably was living off 50 or 60 cents. Mm-hmm. Maybe 60, 60 cents. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Or that dollar. Yeah. The other 35 right. or 40, I was, I was putting it up. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and so, long story short, the cleaning business propelled me. It was the seed money for. So I went. Now that ain't through it. So I went from there, and, and one of the guys that I was subcontracting with that worked for the company, he got he called a DUI one summer, and they fired him. And he was working for this company, so he knew another gig that this company had at a private school here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and he called me one day. He said, "Hey, Tori, man, I got a contract opportunity. Another contract opportunity. I'm already doing Georgia Southern." Uh, Clayton State here in Atlanta, Georgia. So I had like four or five, excuse me, different colleges that I was doing over the summer. So mm-hmm. I'm generating three, four hundred thousand dollars over the summer. You mm. know what I'm saying? Wow. And he come to me with another opportunity from a private school here in Atlanta, Georgia, where a million dollar contract. He said, "Man, I got a million dollar contract that mm. we can get. I do not have any capital." He said, "We can go fifty-fifty. You bring the capital to the table initially, and and, and we can go in." I say, "Bet." Mm-hmm. You know, like, we we got not knowing what kind of guy I'm getting into business with, mm-hmm. none of that. Now I'm just mm-hmm. jumping, right. you know. And, and, and you know, once I jump in, long story short, we got a million dollar contract. This guy don't he don't have no money to. Uh, 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 we got thirty to forty thousand dollar month payroll. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I had to foot the payroll. Mm. For the first couple of times, even though I'm getting a check, I was getting my money back. I'm like, you know, he went, you know, when he went to buy boats, cars, because he just he went from making twenty dollars an hour 
mm. all of a sudden making anywhere from 100 to 150 dollars a year mm. $150, a year mm. that makes sense yeah <laughs> the financial literacy piece he skipped he skipped that part he, he skipped that part because mm. you know i already had a business so i already had i understood some of the business you know tactics yeah you know he had no clue because he was working for somebody else. Now all of a sudden he into a business. So we started mm. a whole nother business called Total Cash Janitorial. You know, mm. outside of first start. So I'm like, you know, you know, man, you better get it right, man. He would never so the third time he didn't have his payroll again. You know, I started charging this guy, man, 10% mm. for not having his payroll. So he was paying me 10%. Mm. Now his money, just because he didn't have his piece, this part. I'm like, man, I got money coming in from everywhere. <laughs> you know right. I mean? so, <laughs> you know what yep. I'm yep. I got people that I'm, I got friends I'm loaning money to mm. that give me interest for loaning them money. I would loan fifty, hundred thousand dollars, sixty thousand dollars, you know what I'm saying, out the friends. Yeah. Yeah. That own businesses themselves, you yep. know, at this point. Cause you know, I'm starting, I'm making a name for myself a little bit. That's right. And I'm like, man, I got a million dollar contract. So I'm making Hundred and fifty thousand just off this one track contract. I'm making three, four hundred thousand over here, so I'm making over half a million dollars mm-hmm. legally. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with no with no marketing and nothing, mm-hmm. all word of mouth. Wow, you know what I'm saying for a guy like myself, no GED, yeah. no education. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I'm like, wow. You know, I had mm-hmm. people working for me with master's degrees. Yeah. Yeah, and look at that. Not, no, not to belittle that. Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just sharing with you just a point, you know. Right. No matter your mind, no matter the situation that you're in, it's possible. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, <laughs> you feel me? So, man, Tori, <laughs> I, I totally feel you, man. Like, I'm just like, uh, I've, like, I'm so engrafted in your story. Like, th- like, I don't have any questions because I am just like, I want to hear what's next and what's next and what's next. And I'm sure the listeners hear this as well. And they know they listen to my, I'm, I'm being candid with you. Every episode I have questions. I have, I am just soaking in your story. I can't wait for the book. So, so I just want to, I just kind of want to just kind of go back and come back to where we are now. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then I'd like to go pick up back from where you just, where you okay. just stated. So you come from, a an environment where you're surrounded by uh you know uh drug uh, uh paraphernalia opportunity things of that nature you, you know you had family members that were caught up with the law and everything like that you end up you know and and and, and for listeners it, it, there's a theme i'm seeing in, in tori's life and this is for anybody's life is that whatever your environment is you, you usually become what's your your environment is so that's that's what he in the first phase of his life that's what he kind of kind of got drawn into and you could also see from from tory's story how uh that entrepreneurial spirit was always there that was woven through the journey so whether it was done illegally or legally that that same spirit was there and and he was using it to um to obviously he had entrepreneurial drive and vision and organization because you can't run an operation doing five to 10 K a day. If you don't have structures and people you heard, he mentioned there was a Lieutenant. There was people he delegated to that were in position to do this and to do that. So, so from that, we, we, you know, you enter, you enter. Uh, and when we spoke, this is exactly what I said. When you entered the pit or, or jail prison, that was the, the Joseph experience. You go into, you, you go into, to, to, 
to this whole thing. And, and you mentioned, you know, you had a hard heart for the first part of it. God shifted you. Uh, you know, you had that breakthrough moment, that 360 spirit moment. And God is, you know, directing you to change and and take responsibility. He took responsibility. And now you are getting paired next to a mentor. And I, I believe all of this is divine because where you got moved, when you got moved from one, that one set, the one um, camp to be able to put in Florida, you would never met your mentor had you not had had that experience. So you meet your mentor who's been successful in the entrepreneurial realm, just like in jo Joseph's story. Right. He had the, he had a favor. He had a relationship with the warden in the Bible. And he also had a uh, um, he had two people that worked for the uh, work for Pharaoh, the king, essentially. And that gave an opportunity. So when you were came, when you came out, you were prepared to seize the moment because you've been mentored strategically. It's like God's hand is all over your life. Right. So then you you leave there, you come out. And I, and I just wanted to highlight just a few points in this for, for listeners that, you know, when you came out. Right. You, you had somebody that gave you an opportunity and you, you took the opportunity, no matter how small you were faithful with little. Right. You, you humbled yourself. You know, you're used to making when you're used to making tens of thousands of dollars in a day to go to seven dollars an hour. Uh, that is not easy to to humble yourself to do. And you did that. And what's interesting is also in that in that experience, as you meet your wife um, uh, and have a conversation with her for, for the six months. And, and, and just you, you said something so powerful that you had someone that saw something in you beyond what you saw in yourself at that moment. And your wife saw the greatness in you and she saw the vision. But you also had something that everyone should have, no matter what circumstance you're in, is no matter what level, no matter what things happen into your life, it should never destroy your vision. You had a vision. Never destroy your vision. You, you, you know, if you're in prison, you should be free from that. Um, if you're on drugs, you should be free from that. If you're in a bad relationship, you should be free from that. If you got mm -hmm. financial world, you should be free from that. I mean, it's just it's, it's about freedom. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You, nothing can take the place of that. I've been free in my personal life and professional life, I mean, for over the last 10 years at minimum. Mm. You know what I'm saying? From my yeah. relationship, you know, I came out and everything that I prayed for when I was incarcerated, um, being an entrepreneur, uh, having a good relationship with my, finding a wife and having a good relationship and having a child and being a better father and just being an all-around uh, 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 good person, you know, mm. I prayed for victory in every area of my life and God has delivered on that and beyond that. Wow. I'm still doing that today because wow. everything that I say again, pray for is happening in my life tonight. I'm getting wow. ready to do the book now. Yes. I, you know, I wanted to write a book someday. You know, people say, Man, yeah. you know, I'm getting ready to write the book now. Finally. Nice. Wow. So, Tori, yeah. this is so powerful. So, so take us to where you are now, right? Because, um, you, you, you got us caught up to the, the, the cleaning business and I know you've had, uh, you have other ventures and, and you're a millionaire, you're successful, uh, successful wife, successful family, father, um, uh, a leader. And, and now you're also in real estate and real estate investment, inv investing. And then, and then there's the coaching side and now how you help people through financial coaching in, in, in your work that you do. So take us there. Okay, so let's let's jump to let's let's jump to the real estate piece. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm making all this money now. You know, I told you I was dibbling and dabbing and flipping cars. I, I started I had about I could probably say about at least 10, ten different ventures that I started 
then finish just testing it out and see i used to do um i had a car what they call it a uh, transportation business where yeah. guys we would pick up exotic cars mm-hmm. and i had this 52 foot trailer where we would put cars into and transport them across country you know i did that for a little while you know just kind of you know because i'm trying to figure out ways to utilize the money i do have now i'm trying to and i'm going somewhere with this and the reason i'm saying yeah. this is because i'm trying to figure out how to take that money that i have and to make more with that money so my money can work more for me than i am working for the money right right you know? so i had some guys doing that and then you know it dawned on me you know let's get into real estate so I, you know, I, I started getting into real estate mm-hmm. and I said, well, you know what, what I'm going to do, am I going to pay somebody to teach me how to do real estate? What I'm going to do? You know, then I, you know, I said, nah, you know, I'm just going to go out here knowing me. I know everything. I'm going to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I, I ran into a friend of mine that knew some guys. I wanted to flip houses mm-hmm. and he turned me on to one guy that flipped, that's, that's flipping houses. I'm learning some of the game. The guy let me hang around with him and I started investing with this guy. So mm-hmm. I think my first investment was like, you know, I started out with about 25 grand with this guy mm-hmm. uh, at the time and just investing with him. He already flipping. So he's showing me the game and giving right. me a return on my money. So mm-hmm. we did a deal. It went well. You know, I went from 50 to 25 to 50. I went from 50 to 100. Mm-hmm. And then I met another guy that was, uh, I'm just getting a return on my money at this point and learning the game. Mm-hmm. Then I met another guy that uh, was was doing flipping as well. That a friend of mine has turned me on to, and I started with him the same way. But once we got to like the hundred thousand dollar mark, this guy here actually, man, they was actually double selling the houses. Man, they started scamming. Mm. I ended up losing a hundred thousand dollars in a real estate deal. Mm. Ouch! I'm like. What you know, my wife. First of all, my wife. Let's back. My wife told me not to do the deal with it. So that's the other piece that you gotta. If you're married, you gotta. You gotta yeah. pay attention to those, 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 those intuitions from the Absolutely. wife. You know Absolutely. That, you know, I ignored that. She told me not to do it. I did it anyway. When I tell you, you know, I wanted to go back to my street life after I lost that hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, you know, mm. but I realized, you know, I got a family now. I can't, you know. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, to lose, right. I, even though I had three or four hundred thousand dollars to lose a hundred grand in the bank, yeah. to lose a hundred grand, yeah, that's a lot that's, of money. That's a lot. You know, and yeah. then it was the first piece of money that I lost. So I, I lose money with this guy, and then the first guy I was telling you about, I ended up losing fifty grand with, but not because he was scamming, mm-hmm. but it was because he was over leveraged. He was over. He was doing more properties than he really could handle. And mm. he lost his connections with the with the hard money lenders and mm. everything just went downhill. Yikes. You know what I'm saying? So but so after that, I said, you know what? Let me just start doing this thing on my own. So I started buying properties on my own in Alabama, in my hometown. Yeah. Uh as a matter of fact, in one of the neighborhoods uh that I actually grew up in. Well, well, the second place I moved into. Yeah. Which is called Down the Bay. It's close to downtown. So I yeah. bought my first real estate property for, it was $100,000 mm-hmm. cash. I think I put like maybe 20 grand into it. Mm-hmm. And it was worth $150,000, $160,000. After closing costs, I think I might have walked away with about 20 grand or so, 25 grand after everything was over with. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah. Okay, I did that within like a three month period within nine yeah. days, you know. Um, then after that, you know, 
I kept doing bigger deals and I was getting a bigger return. And then I had investors start coming in, wanting to invest with me. So I started getting two or three properties at a time. Mm. You know, so long story short, I started building up my real estate. And then I jumped from flipping to renting, to renting. Mm. So I started mm. buying properties for income producing. Uh, mm. uh, 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 for cash flow, let me say that. Yeah. So once I caught on to that game, I went from flipping game to the flip from from the flipping game to the buy and hold game. Mm. And when I learned about the buy and hold game is when you buy. I bought my first property buy and hold in Montgomery, Alabama. I paid seventy five thousand dollars for this property. Mm-hmm. I put about fifteen twenty thousand into this property. And it was worth like 130 when I finished, but I didn't sell this. What I did was lease it out. Not lease it, but you know, put a tenant in. Lease, I guess mm-hmm. you say, mm-hmm. I had a lease agreement with a tenant. Yep. The tenant actually wanted to lease the property out. I leased it out for $1,000 a month. Okay. And the tenant came back to me and I hired a property management company because it was in Montgomery, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And the tenant said, you know what? Well, my property management company said, uh, she wants to rent it out for $900 a month. And I'm like, now, why would I do that? Why would I let her, why would I cut my price $100? And she was like, because she's going to pay you up front for a whole year. You know what I'm mm. saying? This is my, this is my first rental property. Mm. So she ended up paying me up front for a whole year. You know, mm. and, and rent. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So I took, when I first got that lease with her, I went to her, a, a, the bank, well, not a bank, but one of my lenders and said, you know what? Can you give me 70% of the value of this house? Mm. So I ended up pulling out of, I think it was like 130. So they ended up giving me like maybe, I think it was like 70, 70,000, 75,000 on top mm-hmm. of almost the 10 grand she gave me. So mm-hmm. think about it. I didn't pull just about every dime that I put back into this property. Mm-hmm. Out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I got cash flow and my mortgage is about $600 a month. I'm getting $900. My mortgage is five eighty four. dollars matter of fact, to be exact. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting $900 a month from her. Mm-hmm. So I got $300 in cash flow. I don't have no money into the deal mm. and the mm. property was suddenly appreciating. So I just made mm. money five ways off that one property. So when wow. I learned that game, that changed my, I'm like, that changed my perspective on investing is because wow. you know, they call it the bird method. You buy, yeah. you renovate it, uh, you rent it out, uh, 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 refinance it, and then you repeat the process. Yes. You know what I'm so yeah. that's when I started building my real estate. I started buying, mm. you know, so right then I, I ended up getting only like seven properties and I sold four of them. Wow. Which I hate I sold because, mm. you know, you can't you just, just hang on to everything because right now the big heads ones guys, they, they buying up every single family house that you can think of right now. Mm. So it's something going on with that. I follow the money. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If you, got, yeah. if you got BlackRock buying up all the houses around here, what you yeah. think is going on? They know right. something, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So you got the hit, the top hedge fund guys out here buying single family properties. Mm. What would you think? Would you think something going on? Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Know? So yeah. that, so now I'm on a journey to. I'm looking for commercial. I'm looking for my first yeah. big commercial deal, which is storage units, multifamily, anywhere from thirty to fifty units. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at on the real estate side right now. Yeah. Um, in a day now. Wow. Uh, this, and this, this, this is amazing. Ahead. I'm just then like, uh, so you, uh-huh. you said real estate and there was something else you wanted and to talk about? Financial coaching. The, the co- financial how, coaching. Did, how the coaching come in? Well, how the coaching come in? Yeah. The coaching came in from, throughout all this process from 
when I first started business and up until the point now, can you imagine how many questions I get from family, friends, and people that I meet? A lot. So I help a whole lot of people start businesses, uh, loan the money to get their business growing, and it's like, you know what? Let me get into this. Let me. And, and, and first of all, cleaning was something that I just did for the money. Let me back mm-hmm. up. It wasn't yeah. something that I was really passionate about. Mm-hmm. What I was passionate about was actually making an impact on somebody's life, changing mm-hmm. somebody's life with what I'm doing. I want people to feel the freedom and the flexibility that I have in life, whether that's in a relationship, whether that whether you financially free for money from mm-hmm. the, from your nine to five, whatever that freedom is from you. That's what I want people to feel. I want yeah. you to get that experience because there's nothing like having some flexibility in your life. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, everybody want to try to be a millionaire, a billionaire, but how I many, you know, we're not all going to be millionaires and billionaires. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. But you can create some freedom in your life and, and build that net worth up to where, you know, you can match your lifestyle to whatever, you know, your finances are. Yes. And live that life that you desire to live. You know, yes. You know what I'm saying? If that makes sense. That makes perfect it, sense. You know, and that's how I got into the coaching side of it. I, mm-hmm. My wife, we, we talked about it and, you know what I'm saying? You know what? I'm going to create a program. I'm going to create a curriculum where I can actually help aspiring entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs to actually, you know, how to start a business, how to shift their mindset from a consumer mindset to a producer mindset. Because what it is, people don't realize, even from the incarceration piece, mentally, if I wasn't strong and figured that thing out mentally, you know, because I had a vision while I was in prison. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a vision of what this life was going to look like while I was in prison. Right. So I'm a true believer in you got to have a vision. That's you know right. what I'm saying? So we came up, you know, somebody, you know, we trying to figure out names and all that. You know, I said, you know what? My wife and her friends was talking one day and it was like, you know what? How about unlock the vision? What you think about that? So mm-hmm. unlock the vision hit me. Unlock the vision. Mm-hmm. UTV. So that's how I came up with the name UTV financial coaching that. and all wow. of that stuff, man. So, wow. I'm here. Um, I'm here with you today. Yeah. I actually got, um, I'm writing the book now, like I say, and the yeah. book is going to be also a part of my life story yes. and the financial coaching piece. You know what I'm saying? And I have a marketing company on that side too. You know what I'm saying? So Beautiful. it's all, everything is going to be coming full circle here uh, yeah. probably within the next year on, with, the, with the financial coaching piece. Oh, amazing. amazing. I want to help close the wealth gap in America. That's one of my biggest visions. Uh, I want to contribute to that because, you know, when it comes to home ownership, we're the lowest on the totem pole. When it yeah. comes to entrepreneurs, we're the lowest on the totem pole. Mm. When it comes to net worth, we got the lowest net worth out of any mm. nationality. Mm. And that, that, that bothers me. Mm. That's, that, you know wow. I mean? That's, 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 that's the problem you're, you're, you're designed to fix and to solve. Yes. Yes. I love, I love it, Tori, man. Like, I hope, I hope you got a few more moments for me. Cause I got some, I got some other questions yeah, yeah. for you. Is okay. that cool? Um, so, so, um, when you when you distill all this down, like you're such a fascinating journey. And that, like I, I said, I am going to buy multiple copies of the book and I'm going to get them to give them the young people and people uh, that I know. Uh, but but when you think about your gift, when you distill it all the way down, what do you, what, what do you think is your gift? Oh, I think I have uh, the gift of encouragement for one mm. encouraging people um i definitely feel like i have a an entrepreneur spirit for sure that's 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 because i think that every drug dealer in my personal opinion mm-hmm. want to be an entrepreneur that's right 
That's real. You know, so I went from a hustler to an entrepreneur to the professional side. Mm. If you think about it, what when we're a drug dealer, we're trying to figure out figure out a bigger, better way to actually come out of the situation that we in. That's right. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We want to work for ourselves or you know, or figure it out. You know? Yeah. Because I know a lot of good guys that I met while I was incarcerated, man, that 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 really sharp guys, man. I mean, mm-hmm. Amazing. Man. So so speaking of that, right, because um, you know, uh, there's still still drug dealing still going on today, right? And it's, mm-hmm. uh, people are, are well at it. Um, if 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 there are drug dealers listening to this episode right now, mm-hmm. uh, what would you tell them, and what would advice that you'd give them, just in general or from an entrepreneurial perspective? What would you say? Um, probably, if I met a drug dealer now, if I met somebody that was in a drug game. Uh, what kind of advice would I give them to a person? Yeah. Depending on, first of all, I would probably tell them, man, hey, uh, you don't have to take this route. I mean, there, there's so many other routes that you can take. I've literally, even though I made a lot of money in the drug game, I've made more money legally than I ever made illegally. Mm. So I would share that with them. Then I would tell them, look, hey, I mean, just try it. Just do something different, man, and, 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 and get you a mentor for one. Mm-hmm. And, and and be willing to take risks. Be willing to make a change. You know what I'm saying. Be willing to, to examine yourself and and, and 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 accept responsibility. That hey, you know, this really because you you go into prison one way or another. I don't want. to I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's inevitable if you mm-hmm. keep doing drugs. I mean, I knew this. You know, at mm-hmm. some point, you know, it's in our mind that we don't think that we're going to go. But if you don't, he. You know what's going on right now you eventually going to get killed or go to prison that's really the mm-hmm. ways out mm-hmm. so i would just encourage them to try to change and do something different and go another route man and and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and get some mentorship and hope that i would be able to lead them and mentor some of them and, and matter yeah. of fact i really want to go back to that halfway house at some point and encourage some of these guys to you know to help them build their credit and and, and, and and, and, and give them some advice and, and, and just point them in the right direction man and, and mm-hmm. give them hope give them hope and let them know that you know you can use your obstacles as a stepping stone to get to the next. That's level. real. Yeah. That's real. And 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 so something that I, I'd also like to highlight, uh, Tori, that I, I I'm sure is there that most people don't get to see from your story is the hard work that you put in behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Can you give us a glimpse? Of what is it? You know, what does it take to build you know a successful cleaning company? That the, the, the the development that you had to do, the 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 mental work that you had to do on yourself to develop your your pers- personal development wise, oh. and what 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 did you pour into yourself? Because nobody really sees those those unseen hours. Well, for one, man, I'm, 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 I'm gonna go back to to the main thing, and that's my source. You got you know, God was my source, man. I, I prayed mm-hmm. every day. I, the first thing I do is get up in the morning every morning, mm-hmm. pray and meditate because that helps me start my day out. You know what I'm saying? You know, exercise because I like to keep the brain fresh. But yeah, you gotta have that tenacity, man. You gotta have that. You gotta have that that, that thought process of, you know, I can't be pulled apart no matter what situation I'm going through. Nothing's gonna stop me. You know, I, I, I'll right. never give up. Uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible that I like to share with people is, 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 is uh, the Book of James. That's my favorite book in the Bible. Mm. It, it talks about uh, trials and tribulations. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 it says, "Count it all joy whenever you face trials and tri- whenever you face trials." And somehow, something like count it all, Joe, whenever mm-hmm. you face trials. Right. And temptations. Right. 
yeah something like that mm-hmm. and, 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 and um when i read that verse you know count it out joy whenever you face trials and temptations mm-hmm. because the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance mm-hmm. finish its work so that you could be mature and complete so when mm-hmm. i thought about that you know, I never give up, man. I just, I just push myself. And you got to be in love with taking risks, man. Mm. I'm a risk taker, as you can see from mm-hmm. twenty. If you can see from going to prison from a young age, right? I was already a risk taker. Mm-hmm. You know, for entrepreneurs out there, you have to be willing to take risks. That's you know, right. You have to be able to remove that fear and 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 and, and understand that um, fear is part of the process. You got to yes. act in, in the face of fear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So all these things and the challenges that you know you're gonna face in, in, in starting this business, right. um, failure is part of the process. Let me just say that you That's cannot right. just learn from each failure that you that you have. Create systems. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, 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 be decisive. Yes. Like the brother, I couldn't say it better than the brother. Uh, uh, who's his name? Was it Investments? Uh, I can't think of his name, but he said he said a four he said a four principles that were help you build your business and, and that was really some of the principles that i actually utilized mm-hmm. he said be decisive in what you're doing mm-hmm. um he said um be your authentic self mm-hmm. surround yourself with the right people pick the right type of people to be around you and growing mm-hmm. your business you know what i'm saying and create yeah. a system create mm-hmm. a system to help you scale yourself you know what i'm saying That's right. so if i just had to sum it up into a nutshell i would just say Utilize those four principles, and 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 and, 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 and with grit, with with courage, with, with you know, never giving up. Yes, you can't be stopped. With God in your heart and plans in your head, you, you never lose. That's good. That's good. You know? and, and and so my my uh, just last two questions for you, Tori is one is um uh how can how can people get plugged in with you? Uh, from the from the work you do on the on the financial side for UTV, and if they're interested in learning about your coaching, learning about you know maybe the real estate investing, how can people get plugged in with you and learn more about okay. your services? They, they, they can get plugged in with uh, UTV underscore financial underscore coaching, and that's my Instagram account. Uh, you can just go straight to my website at utvfc.com. And those are the two ways that you can get into me in touch with me currently. I currently have a marketing team in place that are working on some things to uh, get me set up on other social media sites. So that'll be coming soon as well. But those are the two ways that you can find me right now. Beautiful, beautiful. And, and the last question we ask all our guests on the show is, in, in your opinion, Tori, what, what's the difference between one's gift and one's purpose? One's gift Ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> yeah. And one's purpose. I think that your gift, I think that your gift you're born with. Um, and I believe that your purpose is something that we kind of, you know, figure out along the way, you know, the reason why you're doing something. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? The gift is like is, is, is something you're naturally good at. The purpose mm-hmm. could be something that you can work at becoming good at. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Trying to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, like I don't know if you ever read the, the book uh, Purpose Driven Life. Yes. Yes. Great book. book. <laughs> Great book. Rick Warren. Yes. Yeah, Rick Warren. That's who that yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm leaving. That's what that's what I think the difference in, 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 in love. My purpose, love it. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much for blessing oh, folks man. today. If there is there anything that I didn't ask you that 
you maybe wanted to share on as we leave, as we exit the, the show that you want to share with people where you uh, feel like man, you left it all on the table? A, I think you did a phenomenal job, man. I, I appreciate you having me on this site, man. Me on your podcast. Um, first podcast I've ever been on. Wow. Name, man. Oh, man, so, you did great. And, and, and many more to go. But yes. I wish you many blessings, my brother, because I know you're going to go far. I can Thank see you, it man. in you. Like when I met you, you at the Invest Fest, it was like, you know. Wow. You know, I just felt the spirit. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So I can I'm see humble. you going to, to, to many, many heights. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, brother. That means a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you for blessing the show. I know I know people are going to be blessed just as much as I was here in the show. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, man. All right. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Dear listener, I would like to thank you so much for listening to How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. As a token of my appreciation, I would love to give to you my most important piece of work to date, and it's called the Purpose Gift Tape. It's a motivational mixtape geared towards helping you to identify your gifts, which ultimately lead to you discovering your purpose. This is a six-track album I poured my heart and soul into. It includes beautiful beats and amazing spoken word over it, and I'd love to give that to you as a free gift as a token of my appreciation for being a part of the community. So to get your copy, all you need to do is go to podcast.daviddsimons.com. That's podcast.david, the middle initial D, Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S.com, and get yours today. Thank you for being a listener. I'll catch you on the next episode. How I Discover My Gift with David D. Simons is proud to be of the amazing and illustrious Alive Podcast Network.